this is the Women Talking About Learning podcast. My name is Andrew Jacobs. Welcome. Hello everyone and welcome to this episode, the consultant one of the Women Talking About Learning podcast. Today I'm delighted to welcome our two guests, Christina Gadd and Dawn Sillett. What I love about women talking about learning is how women who aren't connected are able to meet, at least in an online sense, and make connections that they wouldn't have done necessarily uh, elsewhere. Um, And Christina and Dawn didn't know each other before this podcast. Um, So I think it's a great way that we we can help people network and connect. Christina Gadd is an independent consultant. She's an author of How Not to Waste Your Money on Training and works with her own uh, business on how to help people learn faster. I've known Chris for a few years. Um, Chris is great value uh, to listen to when she's speaking at events and so on, and just generally for uh, a good chat. Our second guest is Dawn Sillett. Dawn has over 20 years of experience uh, in designing, delivering training, is a consultant with clients who range from startups to global corporate organisations, mostly in creative and media sector. And for the past 12 years, She's uh, she's specialised in in bite-sized workshops and coaching. This is Chris and Dawn's first ever podcast and a completely new experience for them. It's recorded in mid-October 2020, before the second lockdown in the UK. I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Chris and Dawn to Women Talking About Learning. So, let's listen to Women Talking About Learning. This week, Chris and Dawn talking about consulting. I guess we're good to go now, Dawn. Hi. I think we are. Hello. Nice to meet you. It virtually. Is <laughs> virtually, indeed. Yes, it's lovely. And um, the, uh, the, the, the listeners of the podcast won't know this, but we can actually see each other, which is lovely. And uh, it's nice to be able to interact. So I'm curious. We don't really know each other that well, Dawn, but I'm curious to know what it is that, that you do, because we're both consultants, but that covers such a broad range of stuff, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Uh, okay, so I'll go first, shall I? Uh, yeah, so I'm Dawn and my company is called Zoomly and uh, until March this year, it specialised in bite-sized workshops delivered on site at clients and uh, using them as building blocks to create the programme that the client needed. Uh, needless to say, since March, that has had to pivot quite dramatically and uh, now they're being delivered virtually which is great good so I'll tell you a little bit about myself then and um, so Christina Gad uh, founder of how to accelerate learning which is a, a small consultancy up in West Yorkshire and uh, we basically work with subject matter experts facilitators trainers line managers anyone wants to anyone who wants to improve performance through better learning. 
Uh, we do that through accelerated learning techniques and I've got my own particular flavour of accelerated learning through doing some research. Um, we love to help people to get really excited about delivering learning as well. And one of my ambitions, um, thoughts from last year was that I wanted to do more online delivery and I wanted to do more coaching. Um, I never anticipated that uh, COVID-19 would uh, be the thing which actually uh, led me to doing more stuff online and more coaching as well. So uh, Care for what you wish for. I know, I know. <laughs> Um, and, and actually, uh, it's been some of it's been difficult, um, and some of it has been a pure joy. Um, you know, I'm, I'm working with a client at the moment, and their team of trainers and facilitators um, are transitioning from very much sort of traditional face to face to going online. Um, and some of them kicking and screaming, uh, some of them are warming to it and some of them have definitely moved from where they were to where they are now which is great but it is an absolute joy to work with trainers and facilitators and L&D professionals in general it is it's great so what got you started then Dawn? Um, almost by accident I think if I'm honest uh, it, it was down to my big mouth um, <laughs> what <laughs> I was working in an advertising agency uh, which that was my prior career um, working on marketing campaigns and the like and I was working in Singapore at the time and uh, opened my big mouth around the MD and said it's terrible there's no training in this company that's shocking there should be you know there should be courses on this and courses on that and of course I walked right into it and he said well done Dawn you got yourself a night job and that was how I started and uh, they were very homemade, patchworky experiences, lunch and learns and things like that. But it really gave me the bug and I could see the difference it was making. And I mean, I ended up doing guest speeches at the university there and things like that and having mentoring programmes going for new grads and stuff. And none of that had happened before. And I realised I loved my night job. Mm -hmm. So when I moved back to the UK, I got qualified to do it with CIPD. And that's really what I've been doing ever since. Fantastic. It's really weird, isn't it? Because so many people that I speak to almost fall into training, learning development by accident. It's almost, yeah. Uh, and mine was accidental because um, my original career was in engineering in Scotland many, many moons ago. Um, and I was trying to get out of um, engineering um, because I think, yeah, just the combination was probably not the best for, for a start in a career. And um, I experienced quite a lot of discrimination and wanted to get out of it. And I'd always been fascinated by learning um, and teaching, but not teaching children. Great big groups of children scare me, to be quite honest. So um, <laughs> I've got my own that are grown up and I, I, I love those dearly, but big groups of children always scared me. So I was fascinated. And um, again, by accident, I, had, I got an interview with IBM um, down in London, this, I was in Scotland and I got, had an interview uh, 
um, for an IT trainer and I'd never done IT training and I'd never used any of the systems that, that they were wanting me to train in and uh, went down there just to be nosy and they offered me the job at the end of the day which actually threw me because then I thought oh my goodness I might have to move down to London from Scotland um, but absolutely fell in love with it um, and my journey went from then IT trainer to soft skills trainer because I had my children and I found it harder and harder to keep my skills up um, in terms of the IT just because you have to you know you have to be on the ball the whole time um, and keep up to date and, and when I became um, a consultant then an IT consultant it was harder being at home with the kids and keeping my skills up and I'd always wanted to venture into sort of soft skills because I'd been on plenty of training and so I've got CIPD qualified as well um, back in 2003 and it was a great time for me just to be mixing with other people who were doing that loved it and um, worked for a company in financial services for a while but then decided to go freelance just because I think I just got a bit fed up of all the politics within yeah. a company and I thought what I absolutely love to do is to help people develop and mm. I love to do that but what I don't like is all of the sort of um, having to deal with the characters, the personalities, having to treat somebody in a particular way, you have to speak to them and don't speak to them yet and, you know, wait for that. And so that was a bit I found difficult. Um, so decided to go freelance and um, I do love it. I love the variety of it. I love, you know, working with different companies, coming in with um, a fresh look on things. Um, yeah, and I think actually possibly that's why um, consultancy does appeal to a lot of people because you do get this fresh look at the organization. You're not restricted by um, or constrained by some of the politics, some of the characters and so on. And what do you love about it, Dawn? Uh, the variety. Yeah, the, as you say, the, the kind of organisations that I go into can be owner run and very small or a, a huge global concern um, and everything in between. So, yeah, that's one of the things I love about it is that variety of different organisational cultures, different groups of people, different skill sets and personalities coming into the room or onto the screen. So that variety I like, and that it, it keeps you fresh, I yeah, think, because I you, you can't, the only times I've tripped up, I've taken that for granted. And so, yeah, you never take for granted what's coming in the room, who's coming in the room and being more um, resourceful, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And don't you find that with every um, job that you do, you learn something new as well? So you're always learning because that's what I found is that I've, I've just kept learning stuff about how to deal with people and, and how to approach companies. And, and um, one of the things I absolutely love, and this is so geeky of me because my engineering background meant that um, I loved maths. Um, from a small child, I mean, um, there was, I remember a teacher giving me a, as punishment some maths to do. And I thought this was a pure delight. It was just like, 
amazing <laughs> that a teacher would give me as punishment some maths to do and I thought that was absolutely brilliant and so um, over the last I would say 10 years what I've really really enjoyed is that it's brought together some things that I really love I love being creative I'm quite quite sort of arty I do a lot of drawing and stuff and um, over the last five or six years I brought lots more of my art into my work um, and I'd been reluctant to do so before because I thought it was um, it might be deemed unprofessional because it's not you know stock photos and stuff like that and actually people have loved it and it's you know been um, a unique selling point in a lot of ways um, but yeah I've been able to combine my love of maths and data and so I love doing that initial um, contracting with people and finding out and the analysis part beforehand and getting to grips with what's the actual problem uh, first of all as much as I like doing the design bit and the delivery bit as well so I think as I've gone on in my consultancy career it's sort of like developed you know it started off with IT training and you know acting as a consultant there but then it's broadened uh, obviously to soft skills and doing things in a way that I suppose um, my engineering brain was telling me to do things as well because I didn't encounter many people that were doing that were thinking the same way and that you know when when you start on a project well what is it where's the end point where are you trying to finish you know what is it you're actually trying to get out of it what will I be able to see what will I be able to witness you doing how will I measure that because as an engineer that's one of the things that um, was at the forefront you know it was so important to define so clearly what the measures were going to be and that was down mm. to a micron or a nano whatever it was you know so um, so yeah so I, yeah it's combined a lot of things that I really really love um, I can't say it's been without its difficulties and, and have you had difficulties Dawn? Yes <laughs> definitely um, uh, some yeah, some difficult encounters with a couple of personalities. Usually when something like that happens, it's, it could have been lack of preparation on my part. Um, and sometimes, I sometimes wondered, uh, have I got a conscript or a volunteer here? Okay. Um, and so it, it, may, it may sometimes be a bit of that, you know, I've been sent, which, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can think back to lots of things. I, I often compare it to my uh, previous career and I think back to engineering and I think a low point for me in engineering was going to a client's um, premises and being greeted with two colleagues I had two colleagues with me and being greeted by the client um, and he kissed my hand he actually <laughs> kissed my hand and said oh how lovely how delightful a lady engineer and I just I went puce absolutely puce and my colleagues thought this was hilarious but it was um, it was quite wearing you know because I think most of my working life, I've not been hugely ambitious. I've just wanted to do a really good job. I love mm. helping people and I love to do a good job. Um, my parents, um, you know, always had a good work ethic. And so I grew up with that. So that's what I've wanted to do. And, and actually, a lot of the time, 
some of the stuff that happened in engineering just got in the way of me doing a good job, you know, and I didn't moan about it very much, but it was, yeah, that was a low point, somebody kissing my hand. And actually he was being, he, he thought he was being charming um, at the time. And then at lunch, at lunchtime, there was an even better thing. I, I was uh, sitting there and uh, listening to the conversation two of my colleagues were having because it, it didn't really involve me. And the client turned around and he said, oh, let's not talk about all this boring stuff let's talk about holidays and ladies dresses shall we and again Ooh. it was just sort of like oh my goodness so it was just no. so moving into IT training I I didn't sort of encounter that quite as much so um yeah difficulties for me now have been more around I suppose um clients who have got some money to spend and want um, to do something and there was um there was a company that i went to um, have a conversation with somebody about some work that was going to take place before christmas and um i was having this conversation with this guy and i said so what is it you want them to do differently and it was a group of trainers that i'd be working with how will you know that it's had an impact what mm. difference will it make to the organization all of those questions and this guy and this is no word of a lie said he smiled at me and he sort of said that's lovely Christina that's lovely I can see what you're trying to do but I just want to give these guys a bit of a buzz before Christmas and <laughs> oh, my, oh dear I know and my heart just sank because I thought well you know what they'll do is they will see um, how much that buzz cost before Christmas and if they don't actually know how that buzz is going to translate into actions and changes in behaviors and impact on the organization will they ever invite me in again and the answer is no you know I don't know um, if I ever will go in there again but um, hugely disappointing I find that you know when I want to do a really good job by asking all of those questions. Sometimes they don't know the answers, so I just have more questions, but that's the thing I find, I suppose, more most difficult um, when the client has got a bit of money to spend and they're, de they're determined to spend it. And yeah, come in, Chris, and do your magic, you know? <laughs> yes, can we have a couple of lorry loads of that, please? Yeah, yeah. I, I was very fortunate in my previous career in advertising that um, when you got a brief to come up with an ad campaign, you didn't sort of get told, oh, can you do us an ad, please? And we'd like a nice big he headline and we'd like this and maybe some billboards would be good. You know, they, they didn't lay, lay it down like that. It, yeah. There was a discussion. There was consultancy yeah. going yes. on. Yeah, yeah. And questions like how okay let's imagine we've done this we're coming out the other end of it it has been a rip-roaring success let's just imagine that for a moment how will he know it's been a rip-roaring success fantastic question and most marketing people can give you data numbers um soft and harder measures of how they'll know it's worked mm. and it, it's something i still do how will you know it's worked? Yeah. How will you be able to say, get the FD off your back and say, yeah. yes, it yeah. absolutely earned its money? Yeah. 
And I do get surprised. Um, it's happening less and less. Actually, the other thing that I found since COVID is that the people I have been speaking about have been much more amenable to having that deep conversation about what exactly. And they've been um, more patient and tolerant about my uh, persistent questioning, shall I say. <laughs> Uh, I don't do it in I don't do it in a, an aggressive way or whatever it's it's more born out of curiosity um, and wanting to know you know and, and also wanting to do a good job as well and so wanting to know what it is that I can do and how I can make a difference and so I have found since um, you know March that people have been more willing to go deeper into those conversations which is great for me yeah. um, you know it's just up my street you know I, I wrote a book last year how not to waste your money on training and and, and all of that was sort of I didn't do it to make money because you don't write books you said you've written books as well Don. I didn't do it to to, to, to make money um you know but um I did it because I felt that there was an awful lot of people that I could help you know out there who don't have those questions and you've had the marketing background that um has enabled you to have those questions um I think some people when you are persistent in your questions um they get a bit irritated. There was one particular client yeah. I was um, working with and or I was about to work with and it, they had a shopping list of things they wanted me to do. And I asked questions like, so in six months time, if they're still doing all the things that they're not supposed to do and not doing the things you want them to do, who will you blame, you know, after I've done the training? And yeah. I said, oh, you. And I said, well, I need to know what you mean by why do they need conflict management? How much conflict is going on? And, you know, how will you know if, if I manage to reduce it or not? And I asked loads and loads of questions and eventually they sort of relented. And I did it in, um, I did do it in a sort of like a curious type of way, not, as I said, not a threatening sort of way, but a curious way. In the end, I ended up doing quite a detailed needs analysis for them which was a great project to do but it also highlighted what they didn't need and some of the stuff in that shopping list that they had they absolutely didn't need and some of the stuff that they never even thought of there was stuff that was nothing to do with training that they did need it was about conversations you know regular conversations and regular feedback well they knew how to do that they just weren't doing it you mm. know so are there any other things which you found difficult on as a, as a consultant? I think that's it. It's, it's being able to really meaningfully contribute to hitting those results mm. that are desired. And so those have to be crystal clear. There need to be checks and balances that, that will be able to identify, has this worked and how has this worked? Mm. And that I think is, is a challenge when you're an independent consultant because you haven't got all that data at your fingertips and yet and you, you are so tempted as you have done to push back and say okay well what are you looking for what are the results and all those sorts of questions and you've got to be tread very carefully around that haven't you uh, because the recipient of this barrage of questions might be thinking don't they think I can do my job? Yeah. So yeah, it, that has to be handled ever so it carefully. Does. It does. And I always say, 
um, go in with an air of curiosity. Uh, yeah, I the curiosity, definitely. The air of curiosity is not threatening. It's sort of like, that's really interesting. Why would you say that? And what evidence have you got to, to, to back that up? And, you know, just be curious. And I was just thinking as we we're talking about well, other things which I found difficult and, and, and I wanted to sort of like raise and see if you found them difficult as well, is things like... Um, the promotional side of your business. Now, I love what I do. I love helping people. If there was somebody out there who could just create a funnel for me for the work with, with <laughs> delicious people, and I would be a happy, happy bunny, but it doesn't quite work like that. You've got to do the business development side, um, social media, blogging, yes. conferences, exhibitions, all of that sort of stuff. And that's the thing that I found most difficult. Um, a number of years ago, I had a business um, coach and she said to me, Christine, you're going to have to start blogging. And I and my shoulders drooped and, and my eyes are sort of rolling. I said, do I really have to do this? I said, and I, at the time I was like saying to, to her, I said, but when I read other people's blogs, I, I'm not interested in what they're saying because they're talking about their cats or what they had for dinner. Or I look at Twitter and it just seems a whole bit of nonsense and she gave me a great piece of advice. In fact, she asked me a question. She said, um, so what would you like to read, um, you know, from other people? And I said, well, I'd like to read something which is no longer than a couple of screens because I don't have the patience or the time to be able to uh, read like screens and screens and screens of stuff. I said, I'd like something that was just quite short, snappy, and it's got a nugget that I can take away. There's something that occurs to me, you know, and I think, oh, that's brilliant. I can put that into practice. And so that got me into doing the blogging and the social mm. media stuff and everything and, um, and sort of changed my opinion of it a bit because I started to get, oh, the, the funny thing was when I started blogging was that I, 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 I had such angst over that first one and I put it out and I was like, it's like light in the blue touch paper. You think the whole world is going to explode and really nobody really cares. <laughs> you just go down. <laughs> oh, please don't say that. I've been no. writing a blog for 10 years. <laughs> no, no, no. What I'm saying initially, initially, because you don't have many followers. And um, I remember maybe about six months or a year after I'd started um, blogging and I went to um, a CIPD event and somebody looked at my name badge and said, oh, Christina. Um, I, I follow you and I, I read your blog and I said oh my goodness I'm so grateful that somebody out there is actually reading it thank you so much and they had great feedback so other people have encouraged me um, you know about uh, blogging and social media and stuff like that but it's not the thing pushing myself forward and promoting myself and all of that I've I've sort of felt I've had to do it and I think there's lots of other people that do it much better but it's it's not something that's natural for me what about you Dawn? It's not natural for me I have become accustomed to doing it and um, because otherwise you're not going to be an independent consultant for all that long yeah yeah <laughs> really I mean you have to do it and uh, you have to promote yourself in some way and the only way really generally that I've found works is to be useful no one likes being on the end of relentless pitching I don't I'm pretty certain my clients don't yeah so it's it's more about being useful and what inspires my blogs 
is those wonderful moments at the end of a workshop, whether it's virtual or face-to-face. -face. And, and when I was a, a rookie trainer, I actually used to get a bit flustered by this. Someone hangs around, everyone else is going out of the room. Someone's hanging back and then they sort of sidle up to you and say, can I just ask you something? And I used to think, honestly, I really did think this, oh God, can't they see I'm packing up? <laughs> of course, those moments are pure gold. Yeah, yeah, Someone yeah. has entrusted me with this. Oh, yeah. and by the way, if that was something relevant for the workshop we've just done, have I missed something? Mm -hmm. And I write for those people. Yeah. The ones yeah. who say, can I just ask you something? So yeah, they're the ones I write for. Yeah. And I think um, when I first started blogging as well, I, I didn't, I didn't much share personal stuff. And then I had a real light bulb moment. Um, it was a couple of years ago, I was asked to speak in, in Warsaw and I was kicking off the conference and I had much longer than everybody else. And um, there was uh, a number of people, very, very well-known names out there. There was Andy Lancaster, Perry Tins, uh, Joe Cook were out there. And um, I remember Perry coming up to me and saying, oh, I'm really looking forward to your session, Christine. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be great. And I had some postcards that I was handing out to everybody. And I, I, and I, and I showed him these postcards. I said, oh, yeah, and I brought postcards because I'm not enough. And I stopped. And I think this, is, this goes back to almost, I think, um, when I was growing up, um, you know, about girls being quieter in in school if you were yes. in science if you were in science you kept your mouth shut most of the time and I was fairly quiet anyway I know it's hard to believe but I was very quiet in school but this was almost sort of harping back and, and it was something that I thought that I dealt with a long time ago you know about being enough and it really stopped me short it surprised me that I actually said that to somebody you know I'd been asked to open a conference given 45 minutes everybody else had half an hour and yet I was still thinking I was not enough and I wrote a blog about it I am enough it was called and I did one of my my little drawings as well and it was just about the fact that you know if somebody has asked you if somebody's listening to you if you have been invited then you are enough you know and in fact you know as a human being, you are enough, you know, because we've all got our unique experiences. And, um, and I think some of it, you know, that sort of um, the business development side, I think, I think that may be something that is more sort of um, that we women sort of perhaps um, might suffer from, you know, that, that lack of wanting to push ourselves forward. Oh, and, imposter uh, syndrome and who does yeah, she think she is? I think so. Yeah. I, yeah, I know men suffer from it as well, but I just yeah, wonder it's more prevalent in, in women as well. So, um, but yeah, it was, it's interesting, you know, more and more so, I think when I have blogged, there've been personal things in there because I just feel that I think I've got more confidence in myself as just, I am me, whole, you know, whole me, female, you know, and, you know, my background and all the rest of it and, that's what I'm bringing to this and that's what people buy in the end they don't buy sort of something glossy and a brochure no. they're buying as a friend of mine said to me years ago she said you're not selling parachutes that don't open so get over that <laughs>
it works <laughs> oh I love that I love that Dawn that's just fabulous that is really really good it is excellent yeah but um I don't know I mean I was just thinking, is there anything that you would say to people who are starting out on this road as a consultant that you'd say one top tip or whatever? Oh, yeah. Um, definitely build up your network. And yes, yeah. yeah, you need to reciprocate the whole time. I was very fortunate that I had a um, consultancy contract that was two days a week. And that was a brilliant way to get started. Fantastic. And, um, you know, I wasn't worried about, oh, where's the next job going to come from? There was this one until the time was right to, to go and fly the nest and, yeah, go solo. So I think, uh, think of a track. If, if anyone listening to this is employed right now and thinking, I want to do that, I want to be independent, may I suggest respectfully um, having a halfway house where you're on some kind of retainer. Mm, yeah and that really does get you off to a good start I was very fortunate with that yeah I think my top tip has got to be around what I think I suffered from mostly which was this imposter syndrome would anyone buy from me and I would say get over yourself you know <laughs> if people have been entrusting you with uh, work and paying you and all the rest of it then and if you've got something to offer then go for it. Don't feel you have to keep justifying yourself. I think over the years, I've um, I've had to, I've I've had felt like I've had to justify myself over and over again, and I think less and less so now because I think well, no, you know, and I don't know whether that comes with age, done or experience or a bit of both. I don't know. I don't know, but um, it's been really fascinating talking to you, really, and and um, to you. Yeah, we will have to keep in touch. And yeah, uh, yes, definitely. But it's been lovely. Yes, nice talking with you. I really enjoyed that discussion between Chris and Dawn. The path to consultancy is different for everyone, and knowing how people got to be where they are now is always thought provoking. And hearing Chris's and Dawn's experiences and history was excellent, um, with some really useful insight. I also think hearing authentic voices of people at the coalface, so to speak, doing the job, is also refreshing. I'm really pleased we're seeing more women in conferences and events, um, but we need to improve the pool of potential speakers we're hearing from. And one way that we can do that, and one of the aims of, of women talking about learning, is to amplify the voices of women who maybe haven't spoken or at events or conferences. If you'd like the opportunity to speak on Women Talking About Learning, get in touch. You can find Dawn and Chris's contact details in the show notes. And they'll also be on our website, womentalkingaboutlearning.com, under podcasts. Or you should see, be able to see them on your, on your uh, podcast player. Interestingly, Chris mentioned imposter syndrome. And that's one topic that everyone <laughs> seems to want to discuss. So I think we're going to have to do something special with that one. If you're interested then please let us know via the website, through Twitter or email. Remember to like and subscribe to Women Talking About Learning. It helps make it easier for other women to find. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again soon.
You have been listening to the Women Talking About Learning podcast. Women Talking About Learning is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Music and Alexa, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, or your favourite podcast app. You can get in touch with Women Talking About Learning via email on Twitter at WTAL underscore podcast or via our website, womentalkingaboutlearning.com. Make sure you tune in next time for more women talking about learning. For more of The Signal, none of the noise.